The XY Advisor podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. This content is created in partnership with our sponsor, Hub24 Custodial Services, ABN 94073-633-664, AFSL 239-122, part of the Hub24 Group, and is limited to publicly available information. General advice may be provided by our sponsor, but does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Before acting on any general advice, you should consider whether appropriate and obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. XY Advisor does not hold an AFS license and does not provide any financial advice or services or endorse any general advice. If a PDS or IM exists, you should obtain a copy and review it thoroughly before making a decision. Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. This series is brought to you by Hub24, one of Australia's leading providers of integrated platform, technology, and data solutions to the wealth industry. By working with licensees and advisors, Hub24 is delivering innovative solutions and service excellence that enables you to do business your way, creating efficiencies for your business and value for your clients. These are just some of the reasons why advisors have rated Hub24 number one for value for money and best managed portfolio functionality six years running, empowering better financial futures together. Find out more at hub24.com.au. Hello and welcome back to this series on enhancing the client experience. In this episode number four of our five-part series, we hear from Suze Chadwick, business and mindset coach, MC and speaker and podcaster. Now, Suze brings a slightly different concept that incorporates how your brand aligns with your client experience and how you can win at both. Plenty of great tips and energy and thought-provoking content coming up. Prepare your brain to make some new connections as we hit play on our chat with Suze Chadwick. Thank you for joining me today, Suze. My pleasure, Fraser. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you along. It's, I know it's going to be such a high energy and an exciting conversation, so I'm really looking forward to it. Suze Chadwick, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so in a nutshell, what you were just saying is that I started in HR and recruitment. I am now a business branding and mindset coach for mainly entrepreneurs. But yeah, I started in recruitment and HR, which was a great sales ground for me, I have to say. And I was there for quite a long time. And then I was working for Deloitte in the UK as the head of recruitment for consulting. And we had to hire like a hundred consultants and we had a brand agency come in and they basically were doing all of the ads and community builds and brand activations and all the very sexy things that I just didn't know were a thing. And I was there managing the recruitment side of things thinking, what is this magical world that these brand consultants live in that seems so exciting and fast-paced and amazing? Uh, and so that was kind of when I was first bitten by the bug. And then fast forward quite a few years, I was back in Melbourne and I got in sort of touch with a brand consultant 
and we ended up working together. And then I started an employer brand agency for the business I was working for. So that's kind of how I got into branding is I saw how exciting it was. And then I pitched it to my CEO at the time when I was working in corporate. And we ended up doing employer branding for some really large global businesses, financial services, pharmaceuticals, uh, retail, all the rest of it uh, across the Americas, EMEA and Asia Pack. And then I eventually went into my own business where I started working with some corporates at the time and entrepreneurs around how they build magnetic brands to attract the clients that they want. And we come to present day. Wow, fantastic. Such an amazing journey. I love when people say it in a nutshell. It makes me think of Austin Powers thing where he pretends he's stuck in a nutshell. Um, now, I love the, uh, love the concept too about that you um, mentioned, the, the concept of your, your mindset coach in that space because there is the, the concept obviously of branding and business and how it all works and then there's the getting your head around it part, which is probably equally as important. Yeah, it's really interesting. I find that if you work for a company, then a lot of times people feel quite safe because they're behind a brand. But when you decide to go out on your own, whether you're an advisor or you're an entrepreneur of another kind, you become the brand. And when you become the brand, there's a lot of mindset stuff that gets in the way like, but I don't want to be seen and what if I say the wrong thing and what will people think and all of these things that we don't experience when we're sometimes working for somebody else. Yeah, one of my, one of my favourites in that space is this concept of what is professional. Like it's a professional brand, it's a professional human, but what does that mean? Is it authentic? Is it like just me being you know, straight up and down, like I'm standing there in a, some sort of a military pose. Like how does professional work for an individual human being? And I think that's probably something that you've nailed. I think it's really open to interpretation because I think it depends on your audience. Everything, Fraser, depends on your audience because if your audience see professional as bold and colourful and fun and out there, like, you know, a professional brand for you know, Patagonia could be a very different professional brand for Credit Suisse. Like it's open to interpretation and I think professional is just something that you have to decide and define what that is for you in relation to your audience and what they need and want from you. Yep, fantastic segue because we are talking about the the client and the user journey, the user experience, and the and how important um, that is. Tell us tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are around how important the, the the user experience or the user emotional feeling of what they're going through is uh, for any business. Yeah, it's really interesting. So I love uh, I love the books uh, The Brand Gap by Marty Neumeyer. He is the godfather of branding. If you ever want to read any of you know brand brand content, then he's he's the go-to person. But he sort of talks about the fact that your brand is an emotional connection that you have with your audience because at the end of the day, we don't always buy logically. We buy emotionally. And so we'll make decisions that, you know, don't always make sense on paper because 
the brand says something about who we are and what we want and how we want to be in the world. And so when it comes to customer experience, there's a very real connection between customer experience and brand because at the end of the day, your brand is a collective of the experiences that your clients and your customers have with you. So I think it's really important for us not to kind of look at it and go, oh, that's a nice to have. It's not actually a nice to have. It's a really critical, essential part of building a successful business that has longevity and a great reputation because if people are not having good experiences with you, that's probably the things that they're going to talk about the most. Yeah, I think uh, I think with money, especially conversations, you mentioned that unconsciousness or that that the con- the, the decisions are made emotionally um, and and in the past, and 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 you sort of said the the, the collective of experiences that they have with you is probably also a collective of experiences that they've had in the past as well, right? They all of these all of these um, things that didn't go right or wrong, or that what their parents used to say as the, as their kids. It's, it's, you're not just dealing with what you're bringing to the table, you're trying to probably deal with a whole lot of other stuff as well. Oh, geez. So we're getting into like the unconscious mind, Fraser, which <laughs> just like, that's a whole other podcast episode. But I think that it is important, you know, we're going to talk more about customer experience today, but I think it's really important for us to understand our customers and there will be a type of customer or a belief system that your customers might have that it is important to kind of understand as much as possible because a lot of times when it comes to branding and marketing and messaging, those are the key things that we want to start to tap into to attract the type of people that have those beliefs and have those values and have those desires and want that identity and those outcomes. So it is important for us to understand you know that background a bit as well. Yep, yep, fantastic. Uh, now let's let's talk about some of the the process that human beings go through um, when they're you know making decisions or when they're thinking or subconsciously and consciously about these these uh, you know choosing advisors and, and and when they're going through a journey or a process or a buying decision. Uh, t- tell us about the the different stages. Yeah, so you know everybody will have a different process, but there is an overall process that you know from a brand perspective and from a consumer and buying behavior process that we understand generally in the market. And the first thing is obviously awareness. So there's a problem there, and now I want to become aware of who is able to solve that problem, and so which advisor is going to be right for me, and what exactly does my criteria for good look like as well. So everybody's going to have their own criteria for what good looks like, and so understanding what that is for your ideal client, for your dream client is always good as well. And then once they have discovered you, number one, how are they going to discover you? So I think there's a whole marketing element there. The second thing is once I discover you, how am I going to get to know you? What's the connection point going to be? Is there a values alignment? Is there a brand story I'm going to connect to? Is it the people in the organization? Uh, you know, what is that point of connection that you want to give your customers? Once they've got that point of connection, like, okay, yes, these two companies or these two advisors seem to be what I may be looking for, then I want to build trust. So once I'm aware of you and now I have some connection to you, it could be from a referral. So somebody else I know has said that you're good and so there's a connection point. Now I'm going to make my own assessment and that's either going to be through 
your thought leadership, the things that you share, the content that you share, when I read your website, when I read testimonials, when I read research, whatever it is that you provide, how are you building trust with me? And so once I think, yeah, this person seems like what I'm looking for and I believe that based on what I want, they seem to be able to deliver that, now I'm looking for are they really going to get me what I deeply desire? So there's a reputation and results there. So when we talk about the results we're able to get our clients, you know, the stories that we can share about what we've done and who we've worked with or what's happened, that builds desire for your customer or for your potential customer. We're like, look like, you know, they they got this, this kind of returns or they were able to achieve those financial goals. Like, wow. And so now you've piqued my desire that you could potentially help me to get there. And then once I make that decision that you're the person, and this is all before I've bought. So let's just, let's just make that distinction. So before I've even bought, there's awareness there's discovery and connection, there's the building of the trust, and there's the building of the desire, and now I might buy from you. So you've got a lot of work to do before I actually hand over my money and sign on the dotted line. And so now you've done all of this work, don't let it fall over afterwards, and that's where that brand experience builds loyalty and retention. So now that I've made all these decisions and I've come on board, It's from this point on that I decide whether I stay and how much I invest and what else I do. Yep. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I I love that user journey that you just went through there and understanding those different steps. And and what's really interesting to me in that point is when you start looking at websites or marketing or all these things before you've purchased, often before you've even made the decision or to book an appointment or come into an office or to speak to that, that, that planner. And are you taking that potential client through that journey on the way at the same time, at the same time as all your existing clients are then looking at it from a branding um, point of view to say, what's that loyalty and retention? So I guess, are they, could they be the similar things as loyalty and retention going to be same as awareness, discovery and, um, you know, trust as well? Not really, because you're now in a relationship. So you've kind of got pre-relationship or building relationship. And then now you've got, I'm, you know, a customer and I have a different expectation. When I'm in that pre-purchase, I'm still kind of, you know, making my own assessment. And yes, you can court me and you can, you know, help me understand and we can start to build the relationship. But once I'm in a relationship, my expectations just like went 10 times higher because now I've like saying, I'm, I'm going to give this to you. Now show me what you've got. And so it can be really basic things as well. Like once I've signed on the dotted line and I've committed to it is that how easy was it to onboard and how, you know, how easy was it to have meetings and what's my reporting like and what's the conversations I'm having? Are they, do I feel like I understand them and that you're speaking to me at my level? So I think we've got a very different, you know, experience pre-purchase and post-purchase. And I also think that you've also got to have different objectives as well. Yep. Yeah. Now I want to dive in a little bit further into the brand conversation because it's part, it's a, it's a big part of the user experience, but a lot of people don't sort of understand the importance. It's like, oh, we did this and then we did something else ad hoc and we did something else and we haven't necessarily put it all together. Um, from the clients and consumers point of view, 
how, how is that brand such an important part to that, you know, that loyalty and retention? Yeah, it's really interesting because brand builds trust. So let's say I find you through whatever means and then I go and look at socials, I go look at website, I speak to people and there's an inconsistency that will be like the end of trust right there. So when we've got consistency of our brand and we're really clear what our brand is about and so that's really taking a look at you know what your what your visual brand looks like you've got your you know your purpose so your vision your mission your values you've got your customer experience which we've talked about and your brand experience you've got personal brands so the leaders in the organization what's their reputation like You've also got brand positioning. So are you Kmart or are you Chanel? You know, and, and also that has a big impact on pricing and things like that. And also my identity. And so I think that especially when we are talking to advisors and you might be dealing with, you know, high net worth individuals, you've really got to think about how do they see themselves and how do they expect to see you if you're going to be the person representing them from a financial perspective? And so brand positioning is really important as well. And so your brand voice, your tone, the language, all of that speaks to a certain position in the market as well. And then really just looking at brand awareness. So if you are working with high net individuals, you're not going to be potentially advertising in, say, the local paper. Yeah. So it's really being where your customers are and creating a brand that speaks to them at the level they expect to be spoken at and to be treated at a level that they expect to be treated as well. And so that's crafted. That's not something that accidentally happens. That's actually does does our business look the way we need it to look? Does it sound the way we need it to sound? Is it positioned where we need it to position? Are we priced where we need to be in order for that person, this one person, to have that trust and feel the desire to work with us? That's what brand does. Yeah, it's really interesting and, and, and crafted that crafted conversation around there that you just mentioned there. I, I think I, we did some media training years ago and, and the, the first, the thing I really remember, remember from that was don't say what you know, know what you're going to say. Yeah. And uh, I, I always remember, all I always remember that, not that I do that, but um, <laughs> normally I just spout stuff off because I'm like, hey, I'm being authentic. Um, but, but I guess brand, with a personal brand, it does need to be authentic, but it also needs to be, like you said, well-crafted and, and understanding that it's not about you, it's about the the person who's going to be reading it or listening to it or seeing it. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. I think that with personal brand, I do think you need to be authentic, but hopefully everything that you're doing is authentic. So it's not something you need to consciously think, am I being authentic? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I think that if you know what you're talking about and you want to be known in the market for a certain thing, then I think just, you know, being authentic as in talking about it on a consistent basis you know, challenging your own thoughts as well as other thoughts. I think that that's what we're looking for in personal brands as well. We're not just looking for somebody who's a cookie cutter. We're not looking for somebody who just says what everybody else says. Like if you want to build a strong personal brand, and I do think that, you know, even when you're in an organization where there's more than one person, 
you know, the leaders matter. I used to, when I was running the employer brand agency, I used to do personal brand training with leaders because we would be going to market saying, this is what the organization's about. This is what your experience is going to be like when you come and work here. Here's all of the amazing things that you're going to get. Uh, but we needed to make sure that the leaders were visible and that their opinions were being heard and that they were actually people who somebody else wanted to work for because you couldn't attract top talent when, you know, you've got a leader that's not visible and doesn't have a personal brand. You know, really great people want to work for people who are leaders in their industry. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And obviously, as you mentioned, if you know, having a good uh, brand, having a good um, messaging, all those things are great for, for clients, but they're also really good for attracting and retaining staff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got to remember that, you know, you've got your employee experience, you've got your customer experience, uh, you know, you've got your brand experience. So your brand experience could be people who have not yet bought from you, but they are experiencing you in the market and your reputation and everything else. And then you've got your client and customer experience, which are purchases of you and now they're in that cycle of being a customer and you've got your employee experience as well. So what is it like for employees when they go through the recruitment process? And, you know, that was something the very first time, like I was saying, when I was working at Deloitte, uh, you know, and I was on the recruitment side and we had the brand agency, my job was to make sure that whatever we were saying in the market was being reflected in the recruitment process and that the hiring managers were you know, able to talk about the business in the way that we wanted them to, that they were giving candidates the right experience as well. And so that was really important. And so I think that when you've got employees, you've got to take a look at their their journey and what it is that's happening for them and make sure that it's a good one. Otherwise, you'll lose really great people. So thanks, Suze. So I've worked with you and been in workshops with you in the past, and we've talked about uh, obviously um, at, at financial advice conferences, for example. Uh, you obviously work with a lot of businesses from small business, as you mentioned, and advice firms. Tell us about some of those businesses you work with, some of the good ideas and things that you see across this. Yeah, I think for me, there's no kind of one set great thing to do because I think like we said earlier, it really is so custom to clients and industries as well. And so I think it's important to understand your customer base and then define what kind of brand and what kind of experience you want to create for your clients. So for me, you know, working with sort of SMEs, so small to medium enterprises, as well as your massive financial groups and things like that, uh, we really chunked it down a lot of the time. So we might say, okay, so for, if I talk about consulting, so say for consulting, we might have a certain type of customer experience based on what we want to do within that particular part of the business. Whereas in innovation, we had a very different culture, very different type of, um, I guess, strategy around it. And so I think it's just really important to come up with things that are working right now too. And the market changes and shifts. And we are right now in a hyper customization and personalization stage of the consumer journey. Yeah. So with everything digital and all the rest of it, you know, that personal touch matters even more now because so many businesses aren't doing it 
or don't see the importance of it. And so once again, with advisors, especially, you know, when I did meet you at the conference that I was speaking at, that was one of the things that we talked about. And I have to say, one of the things I noticed was a lot of people had very similar ideas of what they wanted to do with customers. And I think that that's fine. I think just doing it, you're getting like a gold star right there, just doing it. But the thing that I would get you to think about and the things that worked well for clients that I've worked with in the past is really understanding their customer deeply and coming up with new and innovative ways to connect with them, reward them, give them the experience that they want. And one of the ways that you can think about it is that you may have different groups of customers. So you might have different value levels of customers to kind of put it crudely, is that, for example, you know, a customer that spends I don't know, up to $3,000, I might spend X amount on them and give them a certain thing. And they might have a certain experience. Somebody who ends up spending 10, 15, 20, 50,000, they get a completely different experience. And so I think it's about understanding those dynamics within your business, understanding what each of those customers expect, and then being able to implement that in a way that works. And hopefully in a way that doesn't, isn't like really heavy and laborious for you. You want to be able to automate and make it easier. And so I think that hyper customization and personalization, and also then looking at how you automate things so that it becomes easy for you to do that. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic. When you, when you said um, different values, I was wondering if you're talking about the, the actual client's values and you were going down or are we talking financial about the values values? or the financial <laughs> values? But uh, I was going to say, wow, how do you do that? Do you ask them about their value? Like, um, but, you uh, could anyway. do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so uh, this is a really interesting point, right? Hyper-customization and personalization. You want it to be really customized and personalized. So you kind of do need to know about them, but then automating that um, either with technology or other types of automation where you might use um, providers on, and, and you've, you've come up with plenty of great examples before, um, whether it's using companies that do cards and using companies that do these other types of personal touches. What, what have you come across in that space? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there are, I've got clients who have, uh, these are, I guess, um, higher financial value uh, customers. So I've got some clients where they've got like a personal assistant who knows exactly what clients want. And so they do custom, they do custom experiences for clients. And obviously, once again, you have to, that has to work for your business and your profit margins and how you want to be. Uh, but, you know, just starting off by taking a look. So even for us, even at a lower level, we will send gifts to customers, but we know, do you drink alcohol? Do you have an allergy? Is there something like, would you prefer food or would you prefer wellness products? Like, is there anything that you, you know, don't like? Things like that. And so really simple. And this is like at a really basic level. So when a customer say buys a product from me, like they join a program or something like that, in the cart, we've got these questions. So we've got like, say, because a lot of my customers are on Instagram, we've got their Instagram handle and then we ask them, do you drink alcohol? What's your favourite food? Um, you know, would you prefer wellness or food products Is as a gift uh, or audible? So educational gifts. And they just check a box. 
And so then my VA, my virtual assistant, when we send out gifts to clients, she'll go to a site that we use that kind of has all of these things, but she'll go and she'll take a look at what they actually put on their form. And so that's automated. That doesn't take time or effort. And so we're like, okay, they, they're non-alcoholic, so we don't get them anything like that. They prefer this. Uh, and so that's what we do, you know, even at retreats, things like that, we might ask them what their favorite food is. And when they get to their room, they've got a customized gift waiting for them. And it doesn't have to be expensive. And I think this is the thing. Sometimes we, uh, we kind of assume that highly customized is highly expensive and it's actually not, but you know, the little bit of extra time that somebody takes to do it is actually worth it because they'll never forget that. Yep. It's the it goes but always back to the, the it's the thought that counts I guess. <laughs> Our mother was always right. It's, it's, it's the, the thought that counts. <laughs> I used to say that when it was, I missed somebody's birthday present. Oh, sorry, it's the thought that counts. <laughs> Happy birthday! It's a thought that counts. They're like, where's my present? Um, but you're absolutely right. Uh, like the gifts, they don't have to be they don't have to be expensive, but they just have to be thoughtful. And and you mentioned the concept of they're on social media often they're they're divulging their lives anyway and on their Facebook or Instagram accounts as to the sort of things that they do resonate with. But do you know why I ask for their Instagram Fraser? It's because I like to send them a personalized voice message to welcome them. Oh, that's so sweet, isn't See? it? That's a great <laughs> And it didn't cost me anything. <laughs> yeah. It's the thought that counts. Again, we're spending time thinking about you and chatting with you there. The personalized message is a great thing on Instagram. It's actually, there's probably a few other great products that are out there that can yeah. produce um, personalized messages, even if you just pick up your phone and record a video. Yeah, there's a there's a product and I don't use it, so I'm not, um, but I know that a lot of my clients use it is Bonjouro. And so you can, yeah, it's kind of branded and stuff and you can just record a little 30 second video. And I get, I get quite a few of those from customers and things like that, which, which is always nice. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because you know exactly what they're doing, but it still feels good. <laughs> it does feel good, you know. I think that I think that in such a fast paced world right now, when somebody takes the time to do something nice, it it makes a difference. It's great, you know. It's valued. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, uh, especially with the financial advice process being such a long, drawn out in many cases process, it's good to touch base a couple of times, maybe at the beginning, even at the end of that process as well, just to you know thank people and let them know how far they've come. Yeah, absolutely, and just and just understanding, you know, I think that this was something that I spoke about at the conference that we we were at is understanding how clients like to be communicated with. So some people are like, you know something, <laughs> it's fine if I don't talk to you for three months, just set, like, just let me know when it's all done at the end. You've got those clients and then you've got clients that are like, if you've not touched base with me in two weeks, I think that the deal's fallen over. I think that we're no longer in business together. And so I think it's really important for you to take the time at the beginning to maybe find out a couple of things. It doesn't need to be like, every, you don't need to find out, you know, from the minute they were born, everything that happened. Um, but just finding out what they care about and what's important to them and then also how they like to be communicated with. So even just, you know, this is going to be a long process. Would you like me to update you? Like there's not going to really be updates on a regular basis, but if you would like me to touch base with you on a fortnightly basis or whatever, however long you think is appropriate, um, then I'm more than happy to do that because I just want you to feel, you know, looked after. Yep. Where somebody else will be like, 
don't need to speak to me until like three months later, Fraser, yeah. not a problem. That's right. And then you need but to put I the process in place that. to be able to do that, right, as well, to be able to say if, if, if you need those regular comms, they just say, hey, we're still working on it. Um, you could probably automate some of that stuff I was as well. just about to say you could totally automate that. So even like just thinking technically here, not to go into it, but, you know, even in my email system, I can just add a tag to somebody and they'll automatically be subscribed to a automation emails, you know, that we've already set up. And so you could have two or three tags where you're like, okay, I spoke to this customer, they're high touch, meaning they want more comms. So let's just put the hashtag in, you know, um, or the tag high touch. And they are now subscribed to the emails for that particular product, which is custom to that product. And every two weeks, they just get a little message that says, hey, Fraser, just to let you know, we're still working on it. If you've got any questions, this is the stage we're at. So it could be, you know, we're currently at stage one or whatever it might be. Yep. So you follow along on the pizza tracker and let you know when the uh, pizza is going to be delivered. Um, I love that. I love that. On the app. It's great. You <laughs> That's know. another great example of customer experience. <laughs> Speaking of other markets and great examples, talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing from not just financial services, but if we said, you know, forget about financial services, what are some great things that you have come across for great client experiences? Yeah, I mean, I do think that some of the basics, just even what you were talking about, like the Ubers and the Didis and stuff, you know, it's it can be really simple things that just help people feel secure and that feel like I know exactly what's going on. I think a lot of times things, people lose trust when they feel like they don't know what's going on. So even seeing where my car's going, um, you know, rating my driver, um, knowing that, 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 you know, I can share that with a trusted person. Like there's little things like that that are embedded in some experiences that just make us feel like we can trust it and that it's okay for me to do this. And so I think that's important as well. You know, and I was, I was looking at some recent, um, was 2022 2022 research, which was according to Gartner survey, 81% of companies compete mostly um, or completely on the basis of customer experience, making it, it the key competitive differentiator for financial institutions in 2022 and beyond. And I would even dare to say every organization, like every industry is really starting to, is competing on customer experience, you know, and making sure that they understand what their customers want and what, what they're going to do. And so, Quite a few sporting organizations do a lot of physical customer experiences with, you know, celebrity, um, celebrity athletes, things like that. And so, and I know it's so random, but, uh, like UX, UXC is ultimate fighter. Is that what it is? UFC? UFC. Ultimate fighter. Yeah. So they have got like a pretty crazy fan base and they are, they're like the Red Bull. Do you, mean, do you mean crazy big or just crazies? Let's go with both. No offense if you're a oh, UFC they're, fan. They're coming after you. They're coming after you. <laughs> but they're like the Red Bull. You know, Red Bull's always been customer experience and brand experience, and you know, um, for for a long time, for many years now, and we've sort of seen some groups like UFC, things like that where they are constantly, we'll talk about this in a bit, where they're constantly thinking of what else can we do with our customers? How else can we build that loyalty? Yeah, and so I just think that that's definitely something 
There isn't a particular business I'm thinking of. UFC came to mind. Uber comes to mind. Um, Apple always comes to mind, you know, but it's, it's just thinking differently. I think that's the competitive advantage because if they all did exactly the same thing, it wouldn't be different. But they're all kind of going, what could we do for our audience that we know would be really attractive that engages them on an ongoing basis? Yeah, I I feel like they're all firms that you've talked about that really know their brand and understand that this is how we communicate and how we how we do things and and don't get distracted by all the noise out there or what or what other people are doing. Yeah, and I think that you know something. It can be even if you're a small business, it can be simple. It can be simple. You've just got to take the time to think about it. And I think that's it. Like when I think about what my customers love and what, you know, they get excited about and what they engage in, like if I sat down and really thought about well, what could I do that would be a little bit different that could really, you know, um, connect with them, I, there's a few different ideas I could come up with. But I think we've just got to commit some of the resources to do that. Yeah, resources is an interesting thing because obviously setting down, like you mentioned, taking the time out of your business to to work on that as well as um you know the uh, we mentioned the idea of how you're going to design that how you're going to tell the story what sort of gifts you might give i don't know is there a is there a is there a percentage of a of a turnover that people normally spend on this or is it like you mentioned 81 percent of companies um say they're going to com- compete heavily on this um from the from the survey but uh you know are they committing i guess they're the ones that are committing the budget to it Yeah, I mean, I think you've got to ask yourself, what is your competitive advantage? And if the market is moving towards a customer experience as competitive advantage, you've got to decide what's that worth to you? You know, so I think that that's the other thing. What are, and also just what are you competing on? So when you are looking at your marketplace and how you are competing, what, what are you competing on? And if you were to invest a bit into this, could that really help you stand out? And so, you know, I'm not going to say throw everything in the kitchen sink at it, but I think it's about starting to build on that and then seeing seeing the impact of it, but also not waiting too long to do that. Like I just think it's now, like now is the time to ensure that you're doing it and making sure that it's part of your business, that it's not sort of an afterthought, but that you're you know, like I said, when somebody goes and buys, we're already asking the questions because we know what we're going to be doing for the for the customer or for the client. And so I definitely think it's worth kind of starting to really look at how you do that. And I did look on Seek and there's 22,000 customer experience manager jobs in Australia at the moment. So, you know, let's not underestimate that big business understands that this is a competitive advantage. Yeah, wow, that's that is incredible. And you mentioned you just you you mentioned that concept of including it in the process, not not mm-hmm. the afterthought. I think it's really important points that we're making here. It's about the concept of too often. I think financial advice practices have been as oh, we've got to do this process is based on compliance, right? It's because we have to. Yes, it has yeah. to be compliant, um, but if we're actually designing this from from scratch and I want to ask you about this too if we were to just to design an advice business from scratch um you know we we don't necessarily we, we want it to be compliant but if we were to bring this from a branding and a user experience point of view where would we start and and, and what would we do yeah and I feel like you know it's important like you will have somebody who's maybe responsible for marketing you'll have somebody who's responsible financially you'll have somebody who's responsible for HR 
you need to have somebody who's responsible for customer experience. And that might sit with your brand and marketing team, but it does need to be, you know, ELT level, like executive level. This is not like some VA or some assistant who who maybe sometimes does things for you. Like this needs to be a highly visible part of the business because the thing is, I just want you to think about if you got an experience wrong for a customer where they had a really poor experience, literally that could be costing you millions of dollars. So I think it's just ensuring you understand that. So if you were starting from scratch or this is something that you want to do, then the first thing is really taking a look at who is our customer. So who is our customer? What matters to them? You know, what do we want our customer experience to be for that person? And I think, you know, really kind of looking at it like what is the desire of the person? What is the financial level of the person? What is the brands that they expect or what is the experience that they expect? But also never assuming. So it's kind of going back to that question of how do you like to be communicated with? Do you want us to touch base with you every two weeks or are you happy to touch base at the end of three months? And so a lot of this can be a lot, some of it's research and you knowing your customer. Like when I think about who my customer is, I know them really well. Like I can tell you what they want for themselves. I can tell you what they're, you know, what they're trying to achieve. So just you knowing that is important, which I'm sure you already do. So just on, just as we go yeah. through that, I think financial advisors have a really good opportunity here with their fact finding information. Like if I'm asking you what sort of you know what sort of car you have, I'm going to get a good indication of what sort of a purchaser. You know, like you mentioned the Chanel or Kmart before. You know, it's it's probably the same. Do you drive a Hyundai or a Lexus? You know, like what's the what's the similar thing in a lot of the. Uh, you know, the location of their suburb, um, their, their home where they live, all these sort of things um, will give you a pretty good in- indication of of how you can, you know, market to them and, and brand yourself to them. Yeah, and I think that that absolutely works for a high percentage of your customer base. But I'll, oh, I can't remember who it was. I'll have to find out. But I just remember a story where there was a guy who was worth like millions, if not billions, and he used to like drive a really rubbish car and he used to not dress particularly well because he didn't care about that stuff. But then he had like a multi-million dollar like real estate portfolio because real estate was his thing. So I think that it it's a rule of thumb 80%, 90% of the time, but this is where it's important for us not to assume at all. Um, so definitely understand your audience, get a general understanding of probably what it is that they like, et cetera, but asking questions is always worthwhile as well. And so, yeah, so I would definitely do that. But like, you, like we were saying, you can automate a lot of this. And so it's definitely something at the beginning. And you know something, explaining to your client why you're asking these questions, I think is actually another five-star kind of opportunity or goal star opportunity. Because if you say to somebody, you know something, I'm going to ask you a whole lot of personal questions and you, it might seem really strange as other organizations may not ask you this, but the reason that we ask you is because we want to make sure that the experience that you have with us is one that is for you and that is custom to you and what's important to you. And can you imagine if somebody said that to you, like you'd just be like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Yeah, you care. You care. But you're right. They're yeah. setting, setting those expectations before you're asking questions that might seem across like, what do you need to know? That? Don't you need to know about my money? Yeah. So I think that, you know, um, I think that we can make that a, a, a benefit of working with us as well. So yeah, so you can definitely automate stuff. And so having great systems in place and making sure that you've kind of run through it and said, okay, once somebody fills in all of this, 
are we going to be able to do what it is that we want to do? So I think that it's important to kind of have this as a little bit of a fluid thing at the beginning where you're like, okay, what's our brand? What's the experience? Who's our clients? What do we want to do for them? Okay, if we want to do these things for them, now let's go back to the beginning. What questions do we need to ask them? Yeah, so I think that's where it just needs to be a little bit fluid as well. Um, And then also just, you know, uh, what do they expect from a personalised service too? So like we were saying, everybody's a little bit different. You know, whilst champagne might be an amazing celebration gift for somebody, somebody who doesn't drink's just like, well, what am I going to do? What are my plants with that? So I think just making sure that you understand that. Um, and then we did talk about having tiers of customers. So, you know, the financial value of a customer, you could have different customer ex- experience processes for them um, as well. And it could just be a budget. So once again, we can keep it simple to start with and say, you know, for customers at this level, we've got a budget of, I don't know, $500 for customers at this level, we spend a thousand, whatever it is. And you might also have different, uh, different, points as well. So there might be a welcome gift. I know that when we were at the conference, we were talking about that, I think anniversaries and birthdays, things like that. Um, You know, maybe if something amazing happens for them, that sort of thing, sending a gift then. And it doesn't always have to be a gift. Like there's other experiences that you could create as well. Um, And then the really big one, like we sort of talked about at the beginning, who's responsible for it? And don't give it to somebody where customer experience is not their forte. Like they're not somebody who thinks about people in a certain way or is considerate or who really loves to do this sort of stuff because others they'll come to you with really crappy ideas. (laughs) Somebody who can't be bothered with this or just be like, yeah, just give them some beer. They'll be fine. So you want somebody who (laughs) – you want somebody who their personality is like they love to give. You, you yeah. want somebody who loves Christmas or loves, you know, like the whole idea of going out and buying a million presents about three months before Christmas and, and yeah. wrapping them all up, the whole excitement that really lights them up inside. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the who is important as well because that'll make your job if you're the owner of the business and it's not what you want to be doing, then hire somebody. Yeah. That's such a good checkpoint. Do you love Christmas? What do you do at Christmas time? Tell me or whatever holiday, like, you know, um, I think that that's important. How many Christmas lights do you put up? (laughs) That's a, that's a telling sign. Maybe they should put that on the 22,000 job ads on seek at the moment. Uh, just look for somebody love who loves Christmas. Yeah. Jeez, we should be in marketing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you're exactly right about that. Though it's, it's a real personality thing, isn't it? So it's not not necessarily mm-hmm. a, you know a, a, a job description. It's somebody who wants to be in in that space. Yeah, and you know somebody something somebody who is in marketing and somebody who does events they would be good people for this as well because they've got an attention to detail and they care about the experience. So somebody who does events, they're like, when somebody walks in, this is what they see. There's the flowers on the table. They've got a drink as they come in. Like that's somebody whose attention to the experience is going to be there. So if you've got somebody in the business who does really well with that sort of thing, it could it doesn't have to be a dedicated role, but just find somebody who cares enough to want to do it. Yep. Yeah, exactly right. I was talking to someone the other day that was doing um, events for um, 
uh, professionals and they were like, oh, what should we do? We've never been in a professional. I said, yeah, but you're running events all the time. Do what, do, do that thing because the profession, yeah. you know, don't try and mix the two and, and, uh, and say, you know, oh, we're trying to do this from a professional point of view. Um, and, uh, and you've also got some other things that I guess we've talked about when it comes back to feedback loops and uh, understanding, like asking your clients, um, what, what are some of the other things? Yeah. And I just think, you know, constantly optimizing because we learn as we go. So, you know, I think at the beginning we were doing things manually and then I was like, we're like, let's put it in the checkout. Like as they're buying, let's ask them all the questions, uh, you know, and then, and then also, uh, just continuing to have that kind of conversation as well around what they want. So, you know, for once a client re-signs with me, we've got different things. We might give them like education packs or books or things that I know that they love. And so just continuing to stay up with that, but optimizing it wherever you can at the beginning and then just shifts in the market. So what what's hot right now? What are things that people are doing? What are trends that people are interested in? Um, and then just really identifying opportunities. So, you know, you may have a client that you've had for a while and you're just like, well, what else could I do with them? Is there an opportunity that comes up where you could surprise and delight them? Or is there an opportunity where you could give them, you know, additional advice that, you know, in some other area or something like that? So I think it just depends on what you do. But I'm just always about constantly improving. Like you never want to set and forget it. Uh, I think it's just about how do we do this better? How do we make it easier? And how do we create better opportunities for our clients to have a great experience with us, whatever that is. Yeah, I like I like the concept of looking out for opportunities and continually looking out for them. As in, it, it might not be time, but if if you see something that they're interested in, you can go, ah, oh, that's an opportunity. And you just obviously need to note that, or have somebody so have somewhere in your system where you can note that down for next time. And you go, that person really loved caravanning or something, you know, like, and you just go, great. Mm-hmm. And here is a something that might be handy for them for their caravan. Yeah. And even feedback loops, like even now I'm working with a business at the moment and it's a lot of email and I'm just like, I would love to have a customer portal where I'm not looking for the email that they sent me last week. Like I just want to have it all in one place where we've got like it's easy to see. And and so, you know, we're not even like let's get out of like gifts and experiences and stuff, but it's just like are you asking your customers what part of the process is easy for them? And if there was one thing that they could change about how you work together now, what would that one thing be? And so sometimes I don't think we always welcome or ask for that feedback. And it's the stuff that really gets under client skin. (laughs) And it kind of questions like it can be the most mundane, little annoying thing, but it can be the difference between them going, oh, this is just too hard. Like I don't, this feels too hard and it's such an easy fix for you as a business to go, yeah, let's create a client portal where all communications go through and we have like the three key projects we're working on so that you always know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more that uh, the the concept around what frustrates you, it's a difficult question. You were right though. It's a really hard one. Tell me how bad I'm doing, or you know, like that. No. What 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 annoys what annoys you about me? You know, That's like it's not yeah, what I said. Yeah, but I know. But it's a it's a from a mindset point of view, it's a hard one to get around. But once you do it, and you go, oh, cool, okay, great. About our process, we can do better here. It's it's a really nice um, it's a nice thing to ask a client to be able to give them that opportunity. Yeah, and I just think that 
you know, a lot of times they don't get asked that and they do feel uncomfortable saying it sometimes. And so when you ask that question, they're like, oh my God, thank you. Like, I'm so glad you asked. It's like, oh, everything's great. But you know what I'd really love? I'd really love this one thing. And you're like, no, you had no idea. Yep. And, and, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be you either. It could be one of your other staff that aren't. And, Whoever. Uh, what, what could we do? What could we do? That's better. And they go, oh, yeah. that. Because they're not telling, they're not having to say that you're doing something that's annoying <laughs> them. They could say that. Yeah, every time I talk to Sue, she just doesn't stop talking. <laughs> oh, what? Sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the concept of um, advice firms that uh, maybe for some quick wins for existing advice firms. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I think just understand what information you have on your customers that could really help you customize the experience now. And so hopefully, hopefully you've got some stuff. I also think one of the interesting conversations that I had uh, when I was at the conference was a lot of people were like their tech wasn't great potentially to capture all of that. And so you maybe have really great tech in other parts of your business, but this particular part of your business, you're like, yeah, we don't really have a lot of that information. And so I do think that, you know, this is only going to help you. So really looking at, do we have the tech? Do we need to add something on? Or do we need to, you know, get it customized or whatever it is to be able to capture this information is really important. Um, as we said so many times, see what you can automate because I think a lot of times businesses are like, oh, this just all feels really hard and like too much and I don't really want to do it. But I think once again, just thinking, let's go back to mindset, assuming that it's going to be hard is probably the block that you've got and the barrier to doing this really well. There might be a really simple and easy solution. Um, And once again, giving it to somebody who's really passionate about doing this, they'll go in and they'll figure it out and they'll make it happen and they'll make it happen well um, or they'll tell you what they need to make it happen well. And so I think that just don't assume that things are hard you know, make sure that you're, you're, you're improving all the time. And then I think, as we said before, just really think differently. Like you can come up with lots of ideas that other people have come up with, but, uh, you know, if you, if you have conversations and you also make your staff aware or your people aware that this is something that as a business we want to get better at. And so I want you, even when you're in conversations, even if it's not directly asking the customer what it is that they want or they don't want, just being great at listening and kind of, you know, putting that somewhere um, as far as on the system goes so that we can start to become a more customer experience and customer-centered or centric organization, I think is always worth your time. Yeah, I like, I like the idea of, um, you know, challenging staff and then celebrating those that are able to find those things, come up with good ideas and just keep celebrating those good ideas and uh, eventually becomes part of the culture of the business. Yeah. And also, you know, really like if you get a lot of thank you notes from customers and it comes to like a single person, what about if you shared that with the organization? What about if you shared that with more people at Friday drinks or whatever you do chat on Slack or wherever you communicate? It's kind of like, I just want to share with everybody, like, it's not kind of my client thought I was amazing, but it's more. <laughs> Let me tell you about this thank you card I just got. It's more about the team. You know, it's more about as a team, like our clients are loving what we're doing and I wanted to share like these thank you notes and that with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And these are all the thank you notes I wrote on myself. Um, 
So, so it's definitely no. It's, I definitely think it needs to become part of the culture, the whole user experience, yeah. and, and everything there. So, so thank you so much for coming and chatting with us today. If if firms, uh, how do firms work with you? Um, how can they get hold of you? What what what? How do you work with people? I know we've done workshops and bits and pieces before, but and, yeah. and do a lot of speaking. Yeah, so mainly as a speaker and I do do workshops um, just to break, like just to work through customer experience and personal branding and things like that. I mainly work with women in business and female leaders, but also, you know, I've spoken at conferences where lots of different people and so, uh, that's, so that's something that I love to do as well. Fantastic. And tell us about where people can find you. They can find me at Suze Chadwick, so S-U-Z Chadwick or one word dot com. And I'm on to at Suze Chadwick on all socials as well. But yeah, the website's probably the best place. And I've also got a podcast, which is called the Brand Builders Lab podcast as well. Fantastic. Great podcast. Tune into that. Thank you so much, Suze, for coming on and sharing your gold nuggets of wisdom. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. 